Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. It's been such a rocky economic year, and now we've had a pre-Christmas interest rate rise, the eighth increase in a row. So what can we expect in 2023? Today, business editor Ian Verinder on why China has a lot to do with where we're heading. hasn't been a year that any of us had hoped for in terms of the economy. So I want to talk to you about what 2023 looks like. And of course, there's lots of factors that will go into that, including interest rates that we speak Mm. so much about. Yeah. But you think another really big factor is the global economy and globalisation and where that's heading. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, it's part of this this enormous shift that uh, a reversal of a shift, I guess, that we've seen in the past uh, 50 years where in the post-war era particularly, um, you know, we, we saw a reduction of, uh, of trade barriers and that really accelerated in the 1970s. You know, um, the Whitlam government actually was one of the first to, to really open up Australia to, uh, to the we rest of the world. for our region we can help recreate this region. The war of intervention in Vietnam is ending. The great powers are rethinking and remoulding their relationships and their obligations. Australia cannot stand still at such a time. Uh, It halved the import tariffs that we had on at one stage in just one fell swoop. Mm. And, I mean, it wasn't just Australia, it was the rest of the world as well. And, you know, it, it made it a t- life a lot tougher in lots of ways for various people um, because, it, in, you know, it introduced a lot more competition from, from companies and from, uh, from suppliers from overseas. Mm. But it also had the beneficial impact of improving our productivity and improving our efficiency. And those changes continued right through until we got the, uh, the Hawke-Keating governments where they really dismantled a lot of trade barriers. They got rid of a lot of the regulation around finance and banking and so forth, Mm -hmm. floated the Australian dollar, so it really opened up the Australian economy to the rest of the world. Paul Keating is heading home from APEC tonight in jubilant mood. The Prime Minister has hailed the Asia-Pacific Free Trade Agreement as an absolute... This is the birth of of a free trade agreement and it gives Australia, as I've said before, a seat at the largest table it's ever been at. There was a view, I guess, that, um, you know, having gone through two really serious world wars where the world was on the brink of just utter chaos, that, you know, everybody could be united in a common goal towards, Mm. um, you know, a greater prosperity. And, And that... I guess really accelerated after the the fall of um, of the Berlin Wall and uh, you know the end of the Cold War between Russia and the West, and also with China's introduction into into the global mainstream, into the global economy. And so there was this you know I guess optimistic feeling that we could all do so much better for each other if we were actually working together rather than um, you know fighting each other. Mm. And unfortunately, that situation now seems to have turned as well. 
Okay, so globalisation, it was a period where the world's economies, they kind of came together and started working together. And now there's another shift. What is happening? You've seen a lot of communities, you know, particularly in Europe and America, uh, lose their their jobs. Whole industries have decamped uh, out of out of the a nation and to, at somewhere else. So you've had vast pockets of unemployment and social dislocation, um, and so all all kinds of social problems start to arise, and and that flows through into into politics. Donald Trump tapped in, tapped into it brilliantly with this, you know, America first. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. A lot of people have lost their jobs, lost, lost their livelihoods and are now worse off as a result of that globalisation push. So, you know, the benefits actually flowed through to a very small number of people and a large number of people found themselves worse off. Mm. Ian, I now want you to explain for me what role China has played in all of this because China was one of the biggest beneficiaries of globalisation, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about China and the, you know, the, the achievements that it's that it's managed to get through in the past, you know, really one generation, they've gone from an agrarian socialist economy to to an, you know, a world class economy in many, many ways. You know, a lot of American companies and Australian companies operate out of China. A lot of companies like Apple and so forth, some of the world's biggest information technology companies that have all their most of their operations in China. Um, you know, Tesla, for instance, has a major uh, operation in China. So there's there's vast economic links between the West and China. And for a long time, that looked like it was going to be a flourishing trade and prosper. But you've had this backlash because a lot of people have lost their jobs, lost, lost their livelihoods. You've got a military uprising in, in, in China. And so all of these things start to really impact on business decisions. You know, would a company now, a major corporation, if they were thinking of expanding into China, they'd probably have second thoughts. So, Ian, what does this all mean for our economy next year, this shift away from globalisation, the pushback against a global economy? I mean, one of the things that nobody really understands, I guess, is that China's biggest export to the world uh, during that 50-year transformation was lower inflation because it became the world's factory for manufactured goods, for clothing, for heavy machinery, for pretty much everything you can possibly imagine. I mean, even electronics goods, you know. And so as it got bigger and bigger into manufacturing, its costs of production kept dropping. And so what it was doing was, you know, exporting goods around the world at ever lower prices. And so global inflation as a result actually was kept in check by China. And, you know, here we all were thinking that we're all brilliant economic managers because we'd managed to tame inflation when in fact it was Chinese, cheap Chinese goods that was doing the work for us. And so that has pretty much run its course. That that process of China going from an agrarian uh, economy into a world powerhouse of manufacturing and exports, that's now done. I mean, it's not going to diminish, but the, the rapid growth is done. And so that rapid push through of, of lower prices has run its course. And unless another country like 
India, for instance, or, or Africa takes that uh, the running on that and continues to do that, that push for lower inflation globally is going to come to a, an end and we're probably going to return to a more normal, longer term normal situation of rising prices. That means higher inflation and higher interest rates, unfortunately. Mm, all right. So deglobalization actually means that our inflation could go up. Yeah. It's, that doesn't sound very good. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, you'd have to say that our, inf- our interest rates have been incredibly low. You, you know, and every time we had any kind of crisis, like the global financial crisis or anything at all, you know, globally, central banks would just cut interest rates. So we got down to a situation where interest rates are at zero. It sounds terrific in, in theory, except it's never happened in 5,000 years of, uh, of human civilization. Uh, and what that does when you get down to interest rates at, at such low levels is that it pretty much means that there is no risk. You know, people can borrow vast amounts of money and, you know, go out and on outlandish projects and invest it in there in the hope that it might just come come off. So you had investors taking ever more risks. You had asset bubbles in uh, stock ex- stocks, housing, bonds, everything, uh, you know, and, and that kind of behaviour eventually leads to bubbles bursting and a lot of pain. So, you know, if you're going to get back to a more normal level Level of interest rates. That means there's going to be a greater assessment of risk and more responsible behaviour by investors. And Ian, how will Australia cope with this shift? How will we do? Yeah, well, from Australia's point of view, I mean, I don't think globalisation is going to come to an end, but it will certainly scale back a little. And, mm. the, you know, and the continued push for more and more global integration, I think that's passed. Uh, and so it's, that's not a bad thing because you're going, what you're going to have is governments looking at their, their own constituents and going, well, what's best for our you know, our people here. Let's not just think about the global situation. What, what can we do that is going to be good for our economy here? In terms of Australia, well, we're in a pretty good position in term, you know, for, compared to the rest of the world. So we're in a very good situation in terms of what we can earn from the rest of the world. We're still going to be exporting food, minerals and energy. And, uh, you know, we are probably one of the luckier nations, I guess, compared to the situation in Europe. And, uh, and America's got some pretty serious problems to deal with as well. Ian Verinder is the ABC's business editor. Australia's inflation rate eased slightly last month to 6.9% due to a large fall in the cost of fruit and vegetables. The Reserve Bank has lifted the official cash rate to 3.1%, up from 0.1% in April. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week is Sydney Pede. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. To get in touch with the team, email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.